All right, welcome to the pixelated version of Talking Smack with Bob and Jack, everybody. It's good to have you aboard. This is episode number something or another. I don't know what number it is. Jack Windsor, do you know what number episode this is for us? I'm going to guess 25-ish. 25-ish. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll in get in that range. Yeah, I don't know. We should probably keep track of that. You know, it's a, some of the... <clears throat> Podcasts actually show right up in the corner of the screen what number of podcasts it is in a series. And I was looking up there, and ours doesn't show that. We'll have to figure that out. But welcome to uh, episode whatever, Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. We have a new format tonight. We are going to start cranking out Talking Smack by the half hour rather than the hour. We're going to start to make it a little tighter, a little more crisp, a little bit more uh, to the point. And, uh, and Jack, I think it's a great idea, and I'm glad we're going to do that today because we're going to use every single minute we have with our guest yeah we absolutely are and i think about you know as much time as i would want to spend on a treadmill would be about 25 30 minutes at max <laughs> and so my idea is let's uh let's give those people that are out there maybe taking a walk after dinner or uh on the treadmill an opportunity to get from soup to nuts and then be done but what about those in shape people who want to walk for an hour so they're half an hour in and they're ready to go and then we say see you next time on the next talk and smack and they go what the hell and then what are they supposed to do turn on but, music no no man they're you know we're 25 deep now so they can just go back and uh, and double up they can double dip on this thing man yeah. okay i can i can get down with that all right uh jack there's a lot going on here legislatively in the state of ohio some of it good some of it bad some of it i don't know where it's going to go but um i know you spoke separately with the guests that i spoke separately a little bit earlier last week and now we're going to get a chance to uh have a, a three-way conversation with our guest state senator jerry serino you want to give a formal intro yeah absolutely um ohio state senator uh jerry serino he is uh, representing Ohio's District 18, lives in Kirtland. His constituency covers Cuyahoga County, uh, largely Lake County areas like Painesville, Mentor, Euclid. He's a former Lake County commissioner, formerly served as a trustee of Lakeland Community College. And uh, he's a business executive, uh, founder and CEO of Source One Healthcare Technologies. But he's with us tonight because he crafted Senate Bill 83, which is higher education Enhancement Act, and uh, we're excited to talk with him about it. So, State Senator Jerry Serino, welcome to Talking Smack with Bob and Jack. Thanks for agreeing to be with us tonight. Great, uh, Bob and Jack. Great to be with you tonight. Hey, Jerry, among all the other titles that, uh, you know, Jack just ran down for you and former positions held and so forth, you play one hell of a game show host. It, I, I was reminded of Monty Hall and Let, Let's Make a Deal, the way you work a room at the Bringing America Back to Life convention, trying to generate those donation, donations and get that funding up so that we can continue to fight uh, for, for life and for the sanctity of life and against this ridiculous ballot initiative that's coming. That was a big deal, and you did a tremendous job last week. Well, thank you. It's it's obviously a great cause. And uh, Molly Smith uh, always gives me like 20 to 25 minutes to, to raise all this money. Uh, and but it's it's uh, particularly important this year because of the ballot initiative that we have to fight that we'll see on the ballot in November uh, that would uh, would uh, put the uh, the right to an abortion and the right to uh, to uh, to take parents out of decision making for their ch child's uh, sexual activities as well as their sexual choice uh and so we have to we have to fight that and it's going to take a lot of money to do that and we were very successful saturday night and thank you for your role in hosting that event uh, for those great two days 
Oh, no, it's uh, it's my pleasure. And again, uh, what you did is so necessary. As I said, when you got done, it's hard to ask people for money. And it's hard to work the room and try to, you know, kind of play on people's, uh, you know, pride and to play on their, you know, maybe even on their embarrassment if they don't put their hand in the air. But it really, it takes that effort for all of us to come to, together to get this done. And even though we're here now, Jerry, to talk about the uh, Higher Education Enhancement Act, um, if you want to throw a thought or two out there about this ballot I- initiative um, and what they're going to try to do in November to embed abortion and, quite frankly, all kinds of other radical types of things with respect to children and sex changes and uh, uh, transitioning with drugs and, and other kinds of things, it's a very, very dangerous initiative. And if we're not careful, all it takes is 50 percent, half of the people that turn out to vote plus one to make this happen in November. And so we have, you know, six months basically uh, to, you know, to well, nine months or eight, eight or nine, eight, eight months. Let me do the math here uh, to get to November. And um, it, it's 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 a fight for for lives, quite literally a fight for lives. It is. And and, uh, you know, again, we have to focus on uh, the messaging uh, during this camp, this uh, anti-campaign that we're going to be uh, engaging in, because it's not just about abortion. That would be bad enough in and of itself. And we all understand that. But all of these other things, particularly taking parents out of decision making and and informing the the duty to inform parents about their children uh, is just unbelievable. And we have to make sure that the voters in Ohio know this. I don't think the voters of Ohio want to give up all of that uh, parental authority. And we're gonna focus on that uh, and we are going to beat that ballot initiative. Well, and you're right, by the way, they don't know it. Enough people don't know it. Jack, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I'm just encouraged by what you just said, Senator. Uh, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people are really aware of, of what is at stake. Bob and I talked about it a little bit last show. Uh, the language in the ballot initiative is is very broad, so it would essentially allow abortion up to nine months, but it would essentially also allow uh, kids without parental consent or knowledge uh, to start the transitioning process all the way through to puberty blockers and you know other disgusting things. Um, and I, I call them disgusting because I think at that age when their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed, they have no business making those life altering uh, decision. So I guess my my follow up question to that, Senator, all of that to ask this, how aware are um, your colleagues in the upper chamber and, and maybe some of the others uh, in in the state house? Uh, is everyone pretty up to speed on what's at stake here? I, well, I can speak for the Senate uh, caucus. Uh, yeah, and of course, we have uh, out of the 33 seats, we hold 26 seats. And uh, we are very well informed. And uh, I think we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, a broad consensus that this is something that we have to stop. Uh, the, there's going to be a lot of out-of-state money flowing in. It's already flowing in from Planned Parenthood, NARAL, and other organizations. Uh, and so the other side will outraise us. But we have the issue on our side. And we have what we believe uh, is the is the the uh, the values uh, that that uh, that Ohioans hold dear to them in respecting life. Just to give you an idea too that the Democratic Party and the Democrats in the state of Ohio are going to be all in on this initiative. Trust me. But here's something to think about. Last year, in the last General Assembly, we passed in the Senate uh, and in the House the Born Alive Bill. And if you're familiar with what that was, it was 
guaranteeing medical treatment, best efforts uh, for uh, babies that survive a botched abortion. And you would think that it's, is a no-brainer because a baby who survives a botched abortion should get medical treatment just as the same as somebody walking into an ER, uh, you know, no questions asked would get medical treatment, right? That's the humane thing to do. Every Democrat in the Senate voted against the Born Alive bill. We passed it anyway because we didn't need their votes. But, you know, this is how extreme these these folks are, the, the Democratic Party in total. Uh, and, and they are going to be all in to, uh, to ensconce these new rights that they believe should be in the Constitution. And we're going to have to take this very seriously. And we're going to have to fight very hard to make sure that they do not win in November. Well said. Uh, let's pivot over to uh, this act, the Higher Education Enhancement Act. Um, and, and if you don't mind, maybe let's just take a, a minute and, and talk about each of the you know bigger components of that bill. And, and let's start with um, something that is, I think, tangentially tangentially related to what we just talked about. Uh, I would put that all under the umbrella of the LGBTQ activism, you know, movement. Right. Uh, let's talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, what does your bill uh, say about diversity, equity, inclusion in state colleges and universities? Well, first of all, we already have in federal law, Titles Nine and Title Six, uh, that protect against discrimination. And, you know, make let's make it clear. And I've been doing interviews since last Wednesday uh, and did several today uh, uh, as well. And lots it's it's um, we have certainly shaken things up and gotten a lot of reaction on this issue. And I've been out explaining that, uh, you know, I'm not for, ex, uh, you know, in any kind of discrimination against people for their race, religion, beliefs, uh, how they look, et cetera. Um, and there, there are adequate protections in place without having to put this DEI infrastructure together uh, in our universities and community colleges, which are, number one, costing a lot of money. And I don't believe they're necessary and don't really accomplish anything. In fact, what they actually do is create an environment that, that produces other discriminations. And it, it, uh, it, it avoids what I call intellectual diversity, which is what ought to be going on in our campuses uh, to allow students to, you know, examine the facts, learn how to analyze and make decisions on policies or uh, cultural issues on their own, teaching them how to think and how to arrive at conclusions instead of teaching them what to think. And this, this DEI business is, is not something that is going to have a positive outcome. This bill is a course correction to our universities and community colleges uh, in order to protect the students and to protect the credibility of the institutions themselves. You know what, Senator, <clears throat> I'm glad you, you phrased it that way. And it's, this is a little bit redundant for you and me because we talked about this, and I talk about it all the, all the time on my radio program. What DIE does is it literally supports and enforces uh, discrimination. 
It's just that it's discrimination against somebody other than the quote unquote marginalized groups that they want to quote unquote include to make feel, you know, inclusive and, and, and diversified and so on and so forth. And that's the problem here. By pushing diversity, particularly of skin color, particularly of ethnicity or sexual proclivity or a sexual identity, by pushing those things and that diversity, you are literally telling the majority group, your views don't count. And if you don't go along with this and if you don't uh, support this, um, you know, this this uh, uh, language, this shifting of language, calling boys, girls, girls, boys, uh, you know, pronoun uh, shifting, you know, plurals and singulars and words that don't even exist that we're going to make up. If you don't do all of this, if you don't support that for the purposes of diversity and making people feel included and and, and equity, then you are the one who is going to pay the price. Students right. get students get ostracized. Students get made to feel like they are less than. Students get uh, sometimes disciplined. You know, within within their files, told they can't be a part of groups. Uh, if you're a female and you don't want to share a locker room or a shower room, much less a restroom, but a shower room and a locker room with a biological male, you're told get off the team. All of these things, uh, Senator Serino are discriminatory against the traditional normal male female you know, binary that, that human biology says exists. And, and there are really two other things, uh, Bob, uh, that and, and Jack, that, that really motivated me to develop this bill, which I've been working on for a very long time, doing lots of research. As you, as you read in the bill, it's a very complex bill covering quite a few different subjects. But there are two aspects of, of higher education, and let it be clear uh, that that I am absolutely a supporter of higher education. I asked for this committee assignment, uh, and I I was vice chair of the committee for the last two years, the previous two years, and and I campaigned on access, uh, quality, and affordability of higher education, for two reasons primarily. One is, let's just look at it from an economic standpoint. If you know Ohio, we are very delighted to have Intel coming. And we're happy to have Honda expanding and lots of other companies that are coming here. It's good for our economy. One of the things we have to do is make sure that we provide for them the workforce that they're going to need. And this workforce better be trained with the best possible uh, skills that our universities, community colleges and technical colleges uh, can deliver to them. If we're talking, if we're getting our students focused on being a part of groupthink and not to think for themselves, not learning how to analyze policies and so on, they're not going to be the type of quality workers that these companies are looking for. On the other side of it is the human, excuse me, the human aspect, which is that we all know that if you are impoverished or somewhere in the, the impoverished spectrum, education is your surest ticket out of poverty. And we need to make sure that education, higher education at all levels is available and, and, and uh, accessible to every student who wants an education in Ohio. And so this is not to constrain higher ed. This is not to slap them on the hand. It's to say, let's remember this is all about the students. That's why these institutions exist. And the state is paying a lot of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to support these institutions. We definitely have a seat at the table in making sure they're doing it right. Excellent. Uh, State Senator, one of the things that jumped out of your bill uh, to me 
was this requirement for a history class. And specifically, uh, courses uh, would have required reading that would include the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, a uh, minimum of five essays from the Federalist Papers, the Emancipation Proclamation, Gettysburg Address, a uh, letter from Birmingham jail written by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, to what you just said, I can, I can just hear the opponents of this bill saying, look, if you want an educated workforce, if you want to attract the the best and the brightest, then we have to be all about diversity, inclusion, and equity. And why in the world are we going to teach on American history? What would you say to that? Why did, why is that in this bill? One of the things that I do uh, twice a year is, and it's, it's probably one of the uh, most fun events I go to is the uh, swearing in of new citizens. Uh, and it's done every year in Lake County uh, at uh, President Garfield's home in Mentor. It's an outdoor event, typically, and anywhere from 30 to 50 or 60 individuals from all over the world come in. They get sworn in. We get a chance to speak. We shake their hands. We talk to them. Um, all of these people have passed the uh, immigration uh, uh, exam, American government exam, right? Uh, and, and I recently took a look at the test, and they vary the, the, the questions, certainly, so nobody can uh, can get a, a, a heads up on what the questions are going to be. But I took the test. Fortunately, I scored 100 on it. But I've been very involved in activity, government activities and have always loved history. I read a study af uh, after I, I, I uh, did the last one. And it uh, it was something like less than 40% of Americans would pass that test. Wow. The test that we require immigrants to take and pass before they can get citizenship here. So it kind of struck me and planted a seed that, you know what, I've talked with a lot of millennials. They don't seem to know much at all, unless they were studying government or politics. They have no clue uh, about our founding uh, documents, about our history. And when I talk about history, I understand and I stipulate that we need to talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. OK, we have all three in our history. Mm -hmm. All right. But we've also, unlike any other culture or country in the world, we have dealt with it over time. Yes, it took too long. Slavery, segregation, any kind of discrimination should never have existed. But we, we had it and we worked through it. And I thought we were making great progress in this country for sure. Uh, and so that's why I decided that this was going to be an important part here. We shouldn't be graduating bachelor's or associate's degree students unless they have some general civics knowledge in a three hour course is, is really just one course in, in most places. You know, um, Senator Serino, um, it's, it's what you're asking is so tiny and so minuscule to have people be able to understand the basic things that, as you say, immigrants to this country have to understand about it. And I think it's even tinier to ask that our college graduates have this stuff. Quite frankly, everything you just described ought to be in high school curricula. It ought to be mandatory in every single state board of education curricula around this country, including here in Ohio, that you can't graduate high school without being able to pass the same test that an immigrant has to pass. If, we get, if they get to the college level, and they don't know those basic things about American history, as you say, good, bad, and ugly, um, then we failed already because they're going to go to college and they're not going to get the truth. And the reality is, despite the goal here with this particular act, 
There is such a massive head start that has been has been gained by the indoctrinators and the ones who want to teach and preach and use right. DIE to advance their political agendas and the ones who want to use CRT and then claim, oh, no, we're just talking about the ugly history of, of racism and, and slavery and Jim Crow in America. That's not what CRT does. CRT doesn't teach slavery. We were already teaching slavery. We were already teaching the Civil War. We're already teaching Jim Crow. But what, what CRT does, as you know, is a Marxist tool to separate people by, uh, by the oppressed and the oppressors. Right. And, and that stuff's going to continue to go on at the collegiate level, even with the passage of this act. So I, I just get so profoundly frustrated how anybody could oppose this act and think it's going to be so drastic when it is just this much well, of what really needs to be done to our students today. In fact, we, we are even flexible because I have to give credit. There are some high schools that, particularly some of the AP classes, that do a good job of this. And we've given the uh, university or community college presidents the discretion to recognize some of those courses as substitute courses mm -hmm. so that they can they don't have to take that additional three hours. We don't want to unnecessarily add costs to students' uh, tuition, but uh, we're giving them that flexibility because there are some good programs around the state, but we want to make this an absolute requirement. It's a small thing to ask, and I think I think we will be all better citizens for it. You know, it's interesting to me, Senator. Oh, Bob, go ahead. Did you have another question? Oh, no, no. I was just sighing heavily because, you know, okay. instead of it being a part of some AP courses, Senator, it ought to be required even in, in remedial courses. If you can't learn American history to a satisfactory level, even if you're in the remedial course, you know, uh, path, uh, then you don't get to graduate. And if you don't get to graduate, then you don't get to go to college. I just think that is so important. Uh, and it shouldn't be AP only. And it sure as hell should not be only at the collegiate level, but I'm right. a, I'm a stickler for that. Go ahead, Jack. Well, uh, uh, Senator Bob and I were, were talking before we came on air tonight about slavery. We were talking about American history and we were talking about uh, the hypocrisy related to uh, present day China. And your bill contains some language around uh, banning uh, Chinese contracts with, you know, universities and colleges with right. other Chinese entities or China entities. And of course, the minute that you mention that, the the, the opponents start talking about um, how that is uh, xenophobic and <clears throat> has nothing to do uh, with Chinese people. It has everything to do with the communist regime of China. So uh, tell our, our viewers and our listeners about that Chinese contract ban and, and yeah. why you put it in and what that looks like. Well, it, it's amazing because since I introduced the bill last Wednesday, um, there's been a lot of social media and lots of emails coming into uh, to my office, certainly. Uh, and apparently a lot of academics uh, are very upset with the history of slavery in the United States. And we're all we're all wishing that never happened. But they seem to be just fine with uh, slavery going on in China. Present day. Uh, present day. And so I think they have a double standard here. And I'm not sure I, I can explain why they have that. Uh, they're academics and they should be uh, engaging in much more thoughtful analysis of the situation comparatively. But that that's another story. If you look at a year ago when Russia invaded the Ukraine, um, companies walked away from Russia. McDonald's abandoned their stores and many businesses just stopped doing business. And many institutions, educational institutions that had relationships, you know, with uh, colleges or universities there, uh, you know, also walked away. And I understand, you know, we, we want to have uh, foreign study as part of our academic uh, curriculum. Uh, 
And uh, many of our, you know, Kent State has a campus in Italy, uh, you know, uh, uh, and many campuses have foreign uh, 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 relationships with colleges and universities. And that's fine. I think that's great. But with everybody's so concerned about what Russia did to the Ukraine, and that's a terrible thing. But what what China does, not only to its own people in restricting their free, basic human freedoms, but they're also troublemakers all around the world. What they do to the world is much more egregious, in my view, than, than just looking at Russia in the Ukraine. And I'm not minimizing what's going on in the Ukraine at all. That's that's a, a horrible situation. And so I thought, why should we treat China as business as usual? Um, in, in my business career, I did a lot of business in China. And I was uh, very, very knowledgeable of their theft of intellectual property. Their laws have no, there is no adjudication process when you catch them stealing your intellectual property. Uh, they use slave labor. They don't have uh, personal freedoms. Their students and their children, their TikTok is different than our TikTok here. They do not want their children exposed to TikTok and using it the way the kids in America do, apparently. And so I just it just seemed to me like, you know what, enough is enough. Communist China, the People's Liberation Army, and all of their institutions, they're all controlled by the, by the Communist Party. We should not have relationships with them. So my bill, uh, we're not asking them to abrogate contracts that they already have or agreements, but they may not renew them and they may not come up with new ones and they may not accept donations uh, to their endowment funds or any, anything from any of those parties I mentioned or anybody related tangentially to the Chinese Communist Party. Senator, um, in summary here, I just kind of want to get a feel for where you think things stand. Um, uh, do you think, I mean, is this in committee? Is it out of committee? Is it on, a, on its way to a Senate vote? Uh, do you think there's going to be any much objection to this in either chamber before it goes to the governor? What, what are your thoughts? Well, we're starting hearings the uh, day after tomorrow. On Wednesday in my committee, we have what's called sponsor testimony. So I will actually be providing sponsored testimony in my own committee. That's just how it worked out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first step. That'll be the first hearing. The following week, we're going to have uh, proponent hearings. Uh, it will probably have two weeks of that. And then we will open it up to opponents. We have to give everybody the opportunity to come in. Um, I do know that uh, that there's been a lot of input from uh, the faculty unions uh, who don't like the no strike provision, which I'd be happy to talk about here if you like. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to move this through the Senate pretty quickly. Uh, I believe there is a strong consensus on this bill, and I, I've been in touch with people in the House, and I think I feel the same way about the House. I obviously am not a part of the House, but uh, I believe that uh, their legislators on the Republican side are fed up with the direction that uh, some of our institutions are going in. And we need. So to you feel good that there's support in both House factions, you know, the 45 and the 22? I, I believe so. I, it's my opinion. I don't know that, you know, for a fact, but it, I, I, I'm sensing from discussions I've had that um, the one thing that everybody will agree on on the on the Republican side is that this course correction is necessary and it's urgent. Well, I would agree with uh, both of those things. But having said that, do you consider this will be my last question? Do you yeah. consider this bill 
in its final form, or are you still open to amendments once you, once you get into the proponent and opponent testimony? It's very likely that there'll be some amendments uh, into it. Uh, I uh, but I will tell you categorically that on the major components of this bill, you know, I, I certainly am planning to stand firm. Uh, you know, if we got some words wrong, if there's some legal issues that we have to deal with, that typically happens in bills. Uh, but I will tell you on on the on the no strike provision, I am very firm on that one because um, students prepay for their tuition for the semester. Nothing should get in the way of them getting the instruction they paid for. I heard something interesting today. Uh, I forget what site it was on, but some faculty people were complaining that by doing this, if this bill passes, that we will be changing the balance of power in their negotiations. Think about that for a second. What they're saying is that using the students as pawns in negotiations has been very helpful for them. And they don't want that taken away. This bill is all about the students. Those institutions exist for the students. Nothing should get in the way and they certainly shouldn't be used as pawns uh, in the negotiation process. I'm not against unions. I'm not against the, the you know, negotiating process that they can go through. But there's no question that they should not be used. Students should not be used as pawns in contract negotiations. You know, I, I think if even the uh, provision that you just mentioned weren't in the bill, I, I do believe that the teacher unions would still line up against it. They've uh, oh, they lined up against uh, the, the resolution that would require a 60 percent vote. Uh, they're certainly in favor of the abortion amendment. Um, right. You know, they're the usual suspects on this thing. So, um, Bob, any other questions for Senator Serino before we? No, you know, the only the only reason I asked you if there were going to be any uh, if, if there was any room for amendments, you and I had already talked about, Senator. And that is, uh, you know, the the fact that D.I.E. and I know I changed that around for my own purposes, but the fact that D.I.E. cannot be required by any universities or community colleges is one thing. But can we add into that something that strengthens it to it, it, it is also prohibited because not requiring it is different than prohibiting it. And if you allow them to use it as part of the training for students or staff, they will and they'll find a way to work it in, even if they don't name it by course. Right. That's I what that, I'm worried yeah. about. I, I see that viewpoint, Bob. And, and I, I, I took a, a slightly more moderate approach to it. But if you look at in the bill, in the details of the bill, what kinds of things are not allowed to be taught, okay, you really would be hard pressed to have a program together that is truly DEI and not violate other aspects in my bill. And so um, I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to get rid of the litmus tests mm -hmm. uh, when they hire people and promote people and grant tenure. Uh, no longer are you going to be required to check the box or affirm that you believe in certain principles. That is compelled speech. And yes, we is. have to protect that. Excellent. Yes, it is. Very, very important, uh, that litmus test. There's a ton to love about this bill. And the reason I asked you if you, you had uh, support on both sides in the House is I don't want to have to count on Democrat votes. I don't want to have to count on them. We know how they feel about the unions. You know the control there. I don't want to have to have any of your handful of Democrats in the state Senate or any of the uh, 32 or whatever it is on the House side need to vote for this in order for it to go through. We needed to get through quickly. And right. then when we're done immediately, if I may be so bold, 
I would say, get to work on the high school component of it. The exact same thing, but in our high schools and our middle schools. So the kids aren't already warped and indoctrinated by the, by the time they get to the university level. But that's another conversation. Okay. Uh, Senator Brenner is, uh, is the chair of the K through 12 committee. Uh, and we've had lots of conversations. So I think uh, he's got some ideas in mind, but I, I certainly don't want to speak for him. Well, we, perhaps we can all speak together one day about that, because that is obviously just as important as this bill, which is extremely important, Senator. Great. Well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, having the opportunity to explain this uh, 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 and, uh, and how important it is to Ohio students and to Ohio's economy. Thank we you, could Senator. Not, could not agree more. Thank you, Senator. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. You as well. All right. Senator Jerry Serino, it's an important bill. It really is. Like I said, I and he's right to be more moderate with it, I'm sure, because you want to get make sure that it goes through without a hitch, uh, mm-hmm. without a whole lot of infighting, even among the conservative side. But I just, you know, I'm a little bit more um, uh, aggressive with these things. And I know that if you give a leftist, a Marxist an inch, they will absolutely take that mile or 100 miles uh, as far as they can go with it. And if you give them just an inch of breathing room. So uh, this is a great start. But I think, Jerry, when I talked to him on the radio show, Jack, um, he said this is aspirational. This is the beginning. It's a first step. It's kind of a starter set of things we need to do to return education and teaching kids how to think and not what to think uh, at the university level. So I am all for it, and I want to strengthen it and grow with it and add another layer to it the next time around. Absolutely. And the folks that are that are going to come out against this are the same folks that are going to come out against what we talked about at the beginning of the show, which is, uh, you know, the effort to get a uh, a ballot initiative that would require 60 percent to uh, make sure that the uh, abortion amendment does not pass. Uh, So those folks uh, generally are the teachers unions and and, and government union money is flowing in. It's going to be it's going to be a a tide of money into the state of Ohio in the next several months. And so uh, it's important for us to mention our sponsor, which is the Freedom Foundation and the Freedom Foundation. If you go to the freedomfoundation.com, you can learn more about them. Um, They are the creators of Opt Out Today. That is the number one tool that frees government union employees from union bondage. What does that mean? It means that they can stop having money taken out of their paycheck to support uh, union initiatives with which they disagree. So check out the freedomfoundation.com and thank you Freedom Foundation for your generous support. Yeah, thank you indeed for that. And just well, don't forget to scan that QR code or just go, as Jack just said, to the freedomfoundation.com. Jack, nice and nifty and a little bow on it here at the 34-minute mark. That's good. We're starting to be a little bit more brief, a little bit more concise, and we're hitting a little bit harder, I think, uh, considering that's the way we're going to do things from now on. So great conversation with Jerry Serino. Thanks to everybody for listening and uh, or watching, depending on how you uh, uh, you consume your podcast. We, we appreciate you being a part of Talk It Smack. I'm Bob. And I'm Jack. We'll see you next time.